Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Let me ask you a question as we begin this morning. How well do you know yourself? I mean, how well do you know yourself? Do you, you say, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good student of myself. You know, I'm often, I'm often challenged to be a student of myself. Uh, uh, Gloria will say to me, know thyself, is what she'll say in the King James. Know thyself. It's not in the Bible. That's the book of Lori, okay? When she's dealing with George, okay? You know thyself. And I would say, know yourself. How many of you know yourself? You don't need to raise your hand. That's the question I need you to think about this morning. How well do you know yourself? How well do you know the evil of your own heart? Do you know what you're capable of? Do you know the, the depth of darkness that's within you? Some of you right now do because maybe it's come out at some point and you regret that. But the reality is, is I'm going to be honest with you, there's a, there's a concept that's in our world and it's, it's on our, it's in our media and everybody. We all believe that we all have this grain of good within us that we're all born good except we just get corrupted over time. And, and that's a bunch of baloney, to be very honest with you, because we're not good in our essence. Like, for instance, I, I've got kids. You've, some of you, most of you have had kids. How many of you are remembering teaching your kids to lie? Or if you have more than one kids, teaching them to be selfish and pick on the other one so that there's some sort of pecking order going on in the house. I mean, how many of you remember teaching them that? You had a, okay, we're going to sit down, little Johnny, and we're going to teach you how to be miserable and mean. We, we don't do that. Why? It, it comes naturally. So let me go back to my question. How well do you know yourself? How well do you know yourself? You say, George, why? Are you bringing this up? Because we're going through the Gospel of Luke. We're on an earth walk. We're, we're looking at the sacrifice that Jesus is making. And, and it's been very evident up until this point that Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's determined in his purpose to do the Father's will, to be obedient to what the Father wants. He knows he's going to the cross. So the text is revealing Jesus' determination and his sacrifice. The text is going to show you that. But what else the text shows, and I mentioned this to you last week, is it shows our humanity. It shows us. It exposes us and the problems that we have. Because it'd be really easy to read this and say, boy, aren't those, those folks who are doing this to him, aren't they, aren't they schmucks? Aren't they, aren't they terrible? Why would they do, I would never do anything like that. Watch out. Remember what I told you before a couple weeks ago, never say never. Because darkness is in all of us. And so today we're going to be looking at verses 47 to 53, and we're going to be looking at the arrest of Jesus. And really what we're going to see is when darkness reigns. Because the reality is, remember now, given the right situation, right circumstances, ugliness will come out of you. Do you know what I mean? Given the right situation, right circumstances, ugliness that you never thought was there will come out of you. And so in reality, we don't need to look at them and say, oh, I can't believe they would do that. We need to, we need to equate ourselves because the reality is, is we all put Jesus on the cross. And so when we see them take him and arrest him, and next week we're going to see them do things to him, it was us. 
It was you. And it is because of you that this is happening to him. It's because of our sin, the darkness of our hearts. So let's look at this passage together and try to glean some things from it. First of all, notice with me verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going on, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And then one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. What we're going to do, folks, is we're going to break this down in three sections. We're going to see, first of all, the kiss. We're going to see in the midst of this tragic situation the healing. There's actually going to be a healing. It's actually the last recorded miracle in the gospel. To be very honest with you, this is the last recorded miracle that Jesus physically does. And then we're going to see his pronouncement about the whole situation. So let's talk about it first, the kiss. All of us are familiar with this. We know the text very well. The fact is is that Jesus came up and betrayed him with a kiss, an intimate thing. So let me explain to you what's going on there. Because in our culture, guys kissing, that's not something that's normal. Okay? It's not like when I say hi to you, we're used to back slaps and we're used to strong handshakes. But nobody reaches over and kisses anybody on the cheek. Have you noticed that? And if you do, they're like, whoa, what's the matter with you? You know what I'm saying? That's our culture, right? That is not the way it was in their culture and in a lot of cultures around the world. For instance, kissing on the cheek is very common today in like places like Russia and so forth. In fact, I remember when I, when I spent the summer in Kenya, East Africa, it was very common to see men walking around holding each other's hands. It was a sign of friendship. It's not our culture, it's their culture. Their culture, men would greet each other and give each other a kiss. This is what Judas is doing. Very common thing. It's an intimate sign. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, intimate gestures are often used to cover sin. Because remember, Judas is operating under the assumption that nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, Jesus said in just a few hours earlier in the meal that someone's going to betray him. But Judas is probably thinking, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job covering this. And, and when he goes up to meet Jesus, he's probably greeting Jesus like maybe he's greeted him many times by, Hi, brother, and gives him a kiss on the cheek. He just had prearranged it before that. For that to be the sign of the one that you need to take. Because a multitude comes out, which is, let's stop for a moment, it's not unusual for a multitude to seek after Jesus. Do you understand? Because everywhere he goes, there's what? Multitudes, and even sometimes when they can't find him, they'll, the scripture will tell us, and Luke has even told us, that they'll go looking for him. So it's not necessarily a scene that's unusual that's happening here. It's just maybe... They're not normally carrying clubs and swords. So he comes up and he uses 
an intimate gesture, and what it's doing is it's revealing, it's trying to cover the darkness of their of his soul, cover his treachery. We can relate to that. You and I can sin, be sinning, and try to cover it with some sense of normalcy. We could try to cover it with some act of service for Jesus. We could try to cover it with even intimacy on our part. So that, because we think nobody else knows, nobody else sees, nobody else understands what's going on. Because we're covering it. That's what he's doing here. But the surprising thing is, notice with me, verse 48, Jesus sees right through empty gestures. I mean, you've you got to think about this. He goes over, he kisses Jesus, and Jesus says to him, look what verse 48 says, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a, with a kiss? The guy's got to be shocked. I mean, he's got to be shocked because he had worked out this whatever with the chief priest on the sly, you know, and, and he got it 30 pieces of silver, and he's like, nobody's going to know, nobody's going to understand. He's thinking he can be covered because all he did was just greet Jesus with a kiss. If they take him, he'll be with the other disciples, run, everything's okay. But guess what? Jesus exposes our emptiness, our empty gestures. Jesus is revealing, hey, are you trying to betray me with a kiss, bro? He had to be blown away. He had to be blown away. In fact, you know what? Here's the thing. Think about the things that we try to hide. Think about, back up a moment. Think about how self-deceived we are. You know what I mean by that? Think about how self-deceived that you and I, I include myself in that, how we can get so self-deceived to think that the stuff that we're doing, he's not aware of. That somehow Jesus is maybe out for a coffee break or something during that time and he's not aware. The reality is, is that he knows. Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing. And in many ways, we need to be kind of like shocked, like Judas, right? How did you know? He knows all things. So we see the kiss. And immediately, here's what happens. Immediately. So as soon as, obviously the disciples heard Jesus, you're betraying me. And, and they're looking at the crowd there with their clubs. And, I mean, it's got to be a big crowd. And, and here, remember, they only have two swords among them. And, and Luke only, Luke records that some of them said, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? In verse 50. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. The Gospel of John tells us it's Peter. Makes sense, doesn't it? He had just said, trying to prove himself, Lord, I would die for you! And, and, and pulls out his sword, whack! Off goes a guy's ear. Notice something here. Jesus knows what's going to happen. There's a purpose in it happening. So rather than telling them to continue on and try to fight, he puts a stop to it. And he does the last miracle that we see him do. He heals the guy's ear. But I want you to notice some things about the healing. Number one, God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. They're, our ways are like, like Peter and the guys. I'm ready for a fight. They're not taking you without my spilling my blood for you, Jesus. That's, not, that's our ways, right? But that's not God's ways. God doesn't do that. 
God heals the enemies. You know what I'm saying? His healing is extended to his enemies. The way we do things and the way we think that things need to happen are not necessarily God's ways, folks. His ways are higher than our ways. In fact, oftentimes his ways seem so crazy. But isn't that why the Apostle Paul says in his letter that the foolishness of God is sometimes wiser than all of our wisdom? He does a healing. He extends his healing. But here's the thing I want you to notice, because this is what comes out. We're, we're not just talking about what Jesus is doing here. We're talking about human hearts here. We're talking about the evil of human hearts. We're talking about humanity. We're talking about ourselves. Because even though he reaches down, picks the guy's ear up, and heals it, does that change anything about what's going to happen? Does that make the, make the chief priests and the, the captains of the temple guard, does that, and the elders who were there ready to take him and, and do whatever to him, does that make them say, hold on a minute, now we gotta have another huddle here because this, we weren't expecting this to happen and, and, uh, we need to have a, we need to have, let's time out! Time out! I'm calling a time out! Let's come over here, let's have a talk! I don't know if we should take this guy or not. No, they didn't do that! Look at the evilness of their heart. They continued to take him. We're going to see next week that the temple guard would beat him, blindfold him, and, and mock him. Why? Here's the thing that you and I got to grasp. Miracles do not soften hard hearts. Miracles do not soften hard hearts. You know, so many times I've, you know, as I'm pastoring, I, I talk to people and they have a loved one who, does not know the Lord, who's not committed their life to Christ, that they want to see get saved. And so many times I'll hear them say things like, if only Jesus did this in their life, if, if only they could see the hand of God, if they only they could see this happen, then maybe, maybe, maybe they would turn. Folks, probably not. If their heart is hardened to the Lord, they could see many miracles and still not be convinced. It's a heart issue. Their hearts are hardened. So here we have this last miracle, and they still, still, their hearts are hardened. Isn't that been the testimony of Scripture all along? I mean, if you go over to the Gospel of John, it's amazing to me, it's amazing to me that he raises a guy from the dead who's been in the grave long enough that they say, Lord, don't open the door, he's going to stink. And he calls forth Lazarus out of the grave. And later, John would write, that they were more determined to kill Jesus now and to kill Lazarus as well. What's going on? I mean, who does that? But it's hard hearts. This is the ugliness of our hearts, the hard hearts. So then notice now, with that, Jesus makes a pronouncement. He's going to give an assessment of what's going on here. We see that in verses 52 and 53. Look with me again. Look at what he says there. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the captains of the temple... And the elders who had come to him, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. But this is your hour, the power of darkness. What's going on here? Three things. Number one, he challenges them to consider who he is. Who are you coming after? The word there, robber, has also the meaning of someone who incites rebellion. Who are you coming after? An insurrectionist? Are you coming after some sort of terrorist? 
Who are you coming after? He wants them to think about who it is that they're coming after. He wants them to think about who he is. Think about what I just did. Think about what I've been doing in your midst. Think about my message. He challenges them to think about it. Look, folks, that's ultimately the issue when you present Jesus to other people. That's what the issue is. The issue isn't trying to get them saved. Only Jesus saves. The issue is presenting the message of the gospel so that they can make a decision about Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the issue. And so the reality is the scripture already assumes the reality that most people that you're going to share with are not going to respond. But your task is simply to share. Because why? Because they got to consider who he is. they got to wrestle with who the reality of Jesus Christ is. And that's the first thing he's doing here when he's talking to this crowd who's getting ready to take him and then ultimately crucify him within a few hours. He's telling them, you need to consider who I am. Consider who I am. But I want you to notice the second thing here. Sin seeks to maintain an image. Because look what Jesus says. You know what, guys? Why in the world are you coming out here at 1 o'clock in the morning? What's the scoop? I was with you every day in the temple. You could have taken me then. But we all know why they didn't do it, right? They were worried about the crowds. They were worried about their image. They were worried about how they're going to look. See, this is the thing, isn't it? That's that's the whole issue about sin, isn't it? Sin seeks to maintain an image. We want to have our sin. We want to we want to do our wrong, but we want everybody else to think we're what? Okay, but nothing's changed. I mean, that's why. Can I write this down on the side of your little little sermon outline? There, we're posers. I'm doing all right. Don't ask me what's in my heart. It's not good. That's reality. See, he's exposing it for where it is. Consider who I am. You guys are just trying to maintain your image. That's why you're here in the middle of the night. But here's why you're here in the middle of the night. We're going to get to the next thing. Human wickedness is guided by spiritual darkness. Human wickedness, human sin, human evil is guided by spiritual darkness. Look at what he says there. But this is your hour. What hour? The power of darkness. He's talking, making reference to satanic power there. You know, it interests me today, you know, that it's getting to be in our culture, in our our post-Christian era, that uh, one of the things that we struggle with, and we saw this just a few years ago with 9-11, is that we, we had a hard time with 9-11 because we'd adopted this viewpoint that there's no absolute truth and therefore there's no evil. And then when we see men who do evil things, that just kind of blows our mind because that can't be possible. Because we're all good, right? We, we, we have a hard time. In fact, it's gotten to the place where people now think that Satan is just a fable. Some sort of personification of evil. He's not a real dude. He's not some real being. But he is. And Jesus is saying here that the reason why you're doing what you're doing is your wickedness is being guided by spiritual darkness. I think we know that, don't we? Who would be the first person to guide you into the evil that you do? And especially if you know Jesus, he wants you to go there. Why? To destroy your testimony, to destroy your life, to destroy your relationship with God. 
We like to make excuses for our evil, for our darkness. Well, it's, it's, it's indignation, George. It's, it's like, Jesus, I'm righteously angry at what's happening. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm responding to what's going on. No, no, if you're doing wrong, there's a source for it. It's the darkness of your heart. Can't make excuses for that. So, I mean, think about it for a moment. I mean, think about it. One day we're all going to stand before Jesus, and, th- and, and, and if you know Christ, you don't need to worry about hell, but you still got to answer for it. And it says that every idle word will be brought into account. Whoa! Do you remember what you said this week? Everything? It'll be revealed one day. And I, I cannot, I, I, I have a hard time. And it's not because I don't believe it's going to happen. I have a hard time with the reality that one day I've got to stand before Jesus and say, yeah, I did say that. And the reason why I might have for saying it doesn't hold any water with the king of kings. Human wickedness is guided by spiritual darkness. You've got to realize that, folks. So what we see here is, is the healer, Jesus himself, but we also see the depravity of man around him who tries to cover sin with intimate gestures, who tries to worry about the image. That's why they're there in the middle of the dark doing what they got to do because they're guided by darkness. You say, okay, George, how do, we, how do we bring this home to us? How do we wrap this up? How do we bring this to where we are? Well, let me give you a couple of questions for you to wrestle with and an action point this week. Here's the first one. You may not like it. It may shake you, but that's fine. You gotta ask this question, I gotta ask this question. This is reality. What are you trying to hide? What are you trying to hide in your life? <gasps> really? Yeah, what are you trying to hide? Because here's the thing. It's, it's really easy for us to look at Judas and say, I can't believe he would have done that. Boy, he deserves what he's going to get. But Judas is just like you and I, folks. He's doing wrong, but he thinks he's got it covered. And he's totally shocked when Jesus says to him, Why are you betraying me with a kiss, Judas? See, it would be real nice for us to sit here and look at the text and, and, and look at it from the outside and, and not try to gain anything from it. But the reality is is that we cannot identify with Jesus. We can identify with the people around him who are doing wrong. So let me just ask you flat out, what are you trying to hide in your life? What are you trying to cover? What are you posing about? What kind of image are you trying to maintain so that people don't understand who you really are? Do you know what I mean? What is it about you? You don't need to say it. This is something for you personally to wrestle with. Do you understand? This is something for me personally to wrestle with. What is it that we're trying to hide? That's rough, isn't it? Needs to be rough. Because sometimes I'm going to be honest with you folks. If I'm going to be a student of myself, if I'm going to study myself, I need to be rough with myself. I need to come to grips with the wickedness of my own heart. Because we can make excuses for, for it, right? Well, I treat people the way that I am because I'm redheaded. Or I'm German. Or whatever. 
Here's the other one. Here's the other. It comes right out of the text. What are you trying to hide, number one? Number two, are you ignoring his grace in your life? Isn't that what they were doing? I mean, he just, boom, he just healed a guy. One of their own. What do they do? Ignore it. Do what they got to do. Take him. To kill him. You ever notice that God extends grace to us daily? If you're not aware of that, you need to begin to aware of that. The fact that you're breathing right now is grace. It's grace. Because he knows the sin we're doing. He knows the attitudes. He knows how we treat people. He knows what goes on in our hearts and our minds. He knows the things others don't know. He extends grace to us, does he not? If you don't recognize that what you have and what you and the, 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 the daily life that you have is grace from him, the forgiveness, are you ignoring it? Because we can do that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah, we just kind of grow expectant of it. You know what I'm saying? We almost kind of grow to where we're accustomed to it. It's like, well, you know, yeah, I just figure he's always going to be there for me. That's the attitude we have. We have that. I have that attitude. And, and the question you and I got to wrestle with, and see, these are not questions that you just wrestle with right now while George is talking. These are questions you take home and you ponder. What am I hiding? Am I ignoring his grace? Am I ignoring his grace in my life? So you say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, here's your action point. Take time this week to come to grips with the real you. Take time this week. Wrestle with those questions and come to grips with the real you. Now, what do you mean come to grips with the real me? Because when you come to grips with the real you, you've got one of two responses. What are they? Well, the first response is you just keep on doing what you're doing. And I'm going to be honest with you, that leads to a path of destruction. Or, if you come to grips with the real you, you understand what it is you're trying to hide in your life, you understand the grace that you're ignoring in his life that is extended to you, it drives you to your knees to say to him, Lord, I'm wrong. Lord, I'm not doing right. Lord, I need you. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, help me to turn from this. Lord, I need you. That's what we're talking about. You need to take some time this week and come to grips with the real you. And folks, let it drive you to the cross. Because that's where forgiveness is. That's where victory is. That's where wholeness is. Thank you for being with us this morning. 
And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.